0: Join us this October 1st through 3rd for our first annual Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. We are bringing a mix of beer and psalms, fellowship and food, and speakers who have been deplatformed by the evangelical elite and occasionally end up in Facebook jail. Step out of the boring, benign Christian conference circuit and step into the rowdy Christian world of engaging culture while standing firmly on God's word. Most conferences will lull your faith to sleep and teach you how to obey the 11th commandment, but our people, our culture, our country needs the high octane gospel that applies to every area of our lives. So join us in Nashville as we fight, laugh, and feast together. Sign up now at FightLaughFeast.com. And we look forward to seeing you in Nashville, October 1st through 3rd, as we build a rowdy Christian culture for God's glory and our good.
1: You know we at war with your gods, you The flesh in the world gotta die.
0: Welcome to Politic Midweek Fix. It is so good to be with you guys. I can't tell you how good it is. I always feel better be when, I hear that. when I hear that music playing. It's I just Wednesday. feel better. Make sure you guys share the show. Of course, you guys know the drill at this point. Download oh, the sure. app. Sign share. up for our conference. of Studios. Jeff Durbin is going to be there at our conference. In Nashville, yeah, uh, October first to uh, the third. David Bonson, and then of course, um, uh, all, you know, Pastor Wilson, Toby, and all the whole, uh, just a great lineup. Make sure you guys sign up for the conference. The whole gang. Um, we, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but Trex Arms just uh, sent us a what? bunch of merch. Oh, is it God. Christmas? So it's Christmas. Yes, it is. It's Christmas in September. And, and Trex Arms, a holster. All those boys are going to be at the conference here in Nashville. Ooh. We got some holsters. Oh man,
2: we got it. we got I already I've already got my We got
0: we got a t-shirt here mines. for um oh, our man. intern back there. Let me see here. Is it
3: is it Trex or T-Rex? I thought it was T-Rex. t-rex. It's it T-Rex. Knows. Yeah, you've been calling it Trex. Yeah, Come on. We
2: can't
0: find Trex. T-Rex. Is what it is. Arms. This is this is hot. So, thank you T-Rex, t-rex arms. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: man,
3: we can't I love wait to it. see you guys hey, in Nashville. With us on the line right now, we have Mr. John DeBerry, Democrat member of the Tennessee House of Representatives for 26 years, serving
0: District 90. That's down in Memphis. He's a unicorn. He's not a Democrat. He's a unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) He's a
3: graduate of Freed Hardman University and University of Memphis. He has been a member, I already said this, uh, of the General Assembly of Tennessee for 26 years since 1995. Uh, Mr. DeBerry, thank you for joining us on Cross Politic.
1: Thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to our talk today. Man, uh
3: you, have, you don't even know. You you um you <laughs> went
1: you went off on
3: uh the, the floor of the Tennessee House, what was this, August 12th? Yeah, August 12th, uh, yeah, yeah just um, recently. Y- and um and that video's been making the rounds. Um we want to show that video real quick to our listeners or audience who might have missed you. So we're gonna we're gonna show that and then we're gonna ask you about it.
1: Okay. that man okay. Stood there and said that he wanted his children. Judge by the content of their character not the color of their skin and all we do in america right now is talk about color every issue every issue is about race It's about color instead of us sitting down at the table like men and women of common sense and common justice and understanding that our enemies are looking with a greedy vigilance Upon us as we tear ourselves apart internally. They have been watching us for 50 years, preparing step by step by step by step for us to kill ourselves. And I may not be back here next year. And I'm sure everything I say is going to be misconstrued and misquoted and used against me in November. Fine. Fine, because I stand for my father's legacy. I stand for the men and women who acted like they had some sense and some courage and changed this country by being men and women who stood for something. If we don't start standing for something, Don't you know that the people who are looking at what's happening in Washington, in Detroit, in Portland, in Seattle, they're getting emboldened because we act like a bunch of punks, too frightened to stand up and protect our own stuff. You tell me that somebody got the right to tear down property that Tennessee taxpayers paid for? That American taxpayers paid for it, and somebody has the right to destroy it, deface it, and tear it down? What kind of people have we become? Mm. Wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How come you didn't start turning over tables and flipping up chairs after that talk?
1: (laughs) I tell you what. After sitting there listening to that debate and that discussion for over two hours, I was almost ready. Uh, for that divine intervention to turn over the tables and get out the Uh, (laughs) quilt.
3: You were, you were. So, so take us back. What, what would have been happening for two hours that got you to this point?
1: Well, you know, we have become, we have, uh, become so accommodating and, and disillusioned about what's happening in America. We, we sit here and watch American cities being torn apart. We watch folks' private property, that Mm -hmm. they have worked their entire lives to, to build their stores, their businesses, being burned by thugs, and And folks who are breaking the law, and then we have people say well it, it, it they've got insurance or it's reparations, or mm. it's be it's because of st- systemic racism. We find a reason to justify anarchy mm. and and criminal behavior. In the middle of a so-called civilized society, I had sat there and listened to it for as long as I could, and it's happening all over the country. It wasn't just what's happening in the state of Tennessee and the debate on the floor that day. It's what we see on the news every day while folks gloss this over as though this is just folks exercising their First Amendment rights, wow. when we all know that this is nothing more than criminal behavior.
0: Dr. Reverend, um, you know, Master John, what, what is it, Bishop John? Bishop, is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it, it seems like
0: the escalation in the last year or two or three years has We've gone from, you know, maybe 40 miles an hour to like 80 miles an hour in the race discussion and and the the riots. So why have we progressed so fast uh, this last couple of years?
1: Because the popular media has weaponized race. Hmm. Uh, folks stood up and said, whether you like the president, hate the president, whether you can't stand the sight of him, that's irrelevant. This is America we have a system of government that we have respected for 200 years and we we have our faults our failures our fantasies our flops and mm-hmm. and flaws but we have always turned back to our faith in america yes. and what we have done is we have abandoned our faith and all we're doing is building up all of our problems and we're we're maximizing on all of this because we've used race race has become a weapon for the destruction of America mm-hmm. And uh, there's no ifs and buts about it It's the most effective weapon used against us In 200
2: years But, but John, John, John I'm, I mean, I'm sorry Dr. D Uh No,
1: John is fine okay. In case
2: my mama is watching You heard the man He said I can call him John mama. Uh, uh, Obviously you haven't been Watching the news And seeing how they're gunning down All these innocent black men In the streets Can't you see That this racial prejudice Is still existing In our country right now
1: Well, ex- exactly Nobody That's why we march We march to have the, A system of justice That goes both ways Look uh, gentlemen, my daddy, I, I I stood there and watched my daddy stare down uh, a German shepherd and mm-hmm. a policeman with a billy club and uh, <laughs> a, a blue steel on his side. I stood there and watched women get hit with that, that powerful water hose that almost tore their clothes off. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we fought to get to the table To talk about these issues, when when folks just disappeared 50 years ago, there were no iPhones filming stuff. There were no people standing around uh, putting uh, uh, video on the news. People showed courage. They stood whether anybody knew they were standing or not. What's happening now is it doesn't matter how many little old ladies have been shot down going to their mailbox. It doesn't Mm. matter how many children have been shot and killed in their car seats and in their strollers. It doesn't matter how many folks in these major cities that, which are murder capitals shot down needlessly as dogs, their lives don't matter. But now if, a, if nobody justifies what happened uh, to those men, nobody, anybody with any common decency and common sense justifies somebody being violated in America. Right. But here again, we have a system of laws. That's why we march. We march so the law goes both ways and punish folks, whether they are in a uniform or in a business suit or in a pair of khakis. We march for that purpose.
0: John, John don't you think that part of the problem, uh, one of the reasons why we're suffering or one of the reasons why we're going through what we're going through now is because we've been killing black babies for, you know, since Roe v. Wade. And, and we've been killing right. white babies since Roe v. Wade. Over 50, 60 million babies since 1973. And then that blood and that guilt has been building up for 50 years. And, and this is part of what we're seeing.
1: How are we going to say that life matters when we have snuffed out 60 million innocent Mm. lives in the name of convenience and planned parenthood and planned uh, life and all of this? But but your plan is to kill. That's the plan. Mm. The plan is kill them. And so how in the world are we going to claim we stand for life when we have done this. What I've told many African Americans, many black folks who have said, well, how can a black man stand against this and stand against that? And they've said that many times on television. And my, my response is, how can a black man not stand against it? Mm. I asked, do you know who Margaret Sanger is? Do you know the beginning of Planned Parenthood? Do you know why it was started in the first place? Obviously, you don't know the history of this organization and the mission uh, from the beginning of this organization. What if we had, uh, of the 60 million babies that have been killed, let's just say 50% of them are black, although we know more. Yeah. But let's just say 50%, 30 million. Where would 30 million new voters be mm. right now oh, since 1973? I mean, what is it that people don't understand about the term minority? Mm. You already have a numbers issue. You're already topping High blood pressure, hypertension, stroke, uh, disproportionate uh, uh, confinement in the justice system. We can go on and on and on. And then we're going to kill our babies, too. Mm. Uh, That doesn't make any sense. Mm.
0: John, at what point do you step in and defend your people against the government? Um, it, you know, it seems like, you know, uh, you mentioned in your talk, I don't know if it played on this clip, but, you know, George Floyd had a knee on his neck. Um, and it seems like and it really does, to me, look like the government has had a knee on our neck for far longer and far greater and has created far greater damage. And which is actually part of some of the tension and dissension that we see now. At what point you as a representative step in? and defend your people against the tyranny of the government?
1: Well, uh, all people are my people. Uh, You know, black, white, (laughs) red, yellow, polka dot, and pinstripe. They're all my people. Amen. when Amen. when When you get through talking about it, the bottom line is this. What folks are missing is we've had two terms of a black president. In the city of Memphis, we had a black mayor for over 40 years. We had a black police chief black fire chief, black head of every organization in this city. And if you go across the nation, you've had black mayors, black congresspeople, black senators, black folks didn't just walk off the plantation yesterday. (laughs) <laughs> black folks have been in positions of authority for over 40 years. So when you start talking about the government and the system and the man and all of that, you've got to look at the black faces that have been right there in positions of authority mm. this entire time who have not stood where they should have stood. Mm. Many times when you see where they have served, you see our people suffering And, and, and being neglected because they have sit down on a seat or do nothing, lean back on the elbows or do less, and just said, wake me up when the fight is over. Oh. Instead of standing. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Where they have wow! I was <laughs> hitting all the buttons. Just, you, you missed the organ on I, that I, one. Just, I just hit something. Uh, I had to hit something. It didn't matter.
3: What? No, you, you you said that you were there with your daddy. Yeah. Um. At, at, oh, you man. know, during the civil yeah. rights movement. What what is the difference? What is the difference you're seeing be- between what that was going on there in, in the '60s and what you're seeing today in Seattle and Portland and and, and you know, uh, Kenosha and all these places.
1: Well, the the difference is I think that folks forget we have we have a bunch of folks out there who are mad, don't know what they're mad about, don't know who they're mad at. When we marched in the 60s, man, I rode on the back of the bus. Mm. I walked to the back of the bus where the seats were not cushioned. I walked in the back door and ate in the back of the restaurant. Mm. I went to the zoo on Tuesday because that was colored day. I sat in the balcony of the Orpheum Theater because that's where the colored people sat. Mm. Uh, I went to a school in 1956, Dunn Avenue School, a great school. Thank God for those schools. But everybody looked like me. In other words, the law. The system, the government, the Constitution said that we were not entitled to the basic rights and the basic freedoms that are afforded by our Constitution Mm -hmm. and by our country and by men and women who have served this country since the Revolutionary War. So it was different. Mm -hmm. We were fighting for access. Mm-hmm. We were fighting for our constitutional rights. We were fighting to vote, man to vote. Mm-hmm. These kids today have never gone to a segregated school, never ridden on the back of a bus, never drank out of the colored water fountain, have never been been uh, discriminated against the mm-hmm. way we were discriminated against. So it's not the same. I don't care what they say, it's not the same.
3: Mm. What about the tactics even, though? You said you, I remember, I think it's earlier in the speech than we played, but you talked about, you know, joining your your, your dad, um, you know, Martin Luther King, uh, dressed in suits, marching, and and, and the difference between tactics then and now.
1: Well, back then, we were dispelling stereotypes the stereotypes that we were ignorant, the stereotypes Mm. that we were nasty, the stereotypes that we were unhuman, that we were a bunch of walking gorillas, the stereotypes that we were Mm. uneducated, inarticulate, uh, all of those were stereotypes that existed at that time, going all the way back to the days of slavery. Mm -hmm. Those men and women they didn't just march for their rights. They marched to put to death the stereotypes and the misconceptions and the prejudices once and for all. Yes, I remember my daddy, even though on the hot days mm-hmm. they put on their suits, their mm-hmm. ties, their coats, their hats. And they marched and they looked folks dead in the eye and said, we're not going away. Mm-hmm. And and that's the difference. You got folks with masks on and hoods on, hiding their face. You got folks sitting down naked in the middle of the street, spread eagle in the middle of the street, and they're being a hero. You got folks breaking in folks' businesses, stealing the stuff they worked for their entire life, bankrupting families. And you and you say that this is helping America. Mm-hmm. What what happened after the civil rights movement? Black folks educated themselves. When they opened the doors, they burst through the doors. They went to the colleges, the universities. They became professionals. They raised their children. They kept the neighborhoods pristine. In other words, nobody could say that the stereotypes, the misjudgments, the prejudices were true because they just destroyed all of that now what are we doing mm. we're rebuilding the stereotype
2: yeah wow there's some I, i'm sorry I, I, okay go, go so man. i don't know where to start it i got a list of things running through my head You've scribbling I, on your pad yeah, the whole time i know and everything is i i want to get to this story um i think was it earlier this year you got taken off the ballot of the Democratic Party. Now, I didn't right. know I didn't know who you were. I'm just now finding out about you because this clip went viral. And there's only two pro-life Democrats that I'm aware of, uh, Katrina Jackson down in 16th district of Louisiana. Louisiana, and then you popped on the scene. And and I'm trying to figure out what happened earlier this year that you got taken off the ballot that your that people vote you off the ballot. How did this take place and what's going on with that?
1: well in the middle of a pandemic by a zoom meeting held with no notice with no prior notice with with no time to get ready uh they they sent me a letter and said said that a you have been uh a, a a pro a protest or has been placed against you as being a democrat and they say that i have not uh, lived up to democratic virtues and democratic values, even though I don't know what those are now. Uh, but I haven't I haven't lived up to those. And therefore, the, Tem- the Tennessee Democratic Party Executive Committee made a decision that I was no longer a Democrat. And therefore, I would not be able to run under the banner of Democrat, even though I had qualified and the people in my district have signed my petition and, as always, are ready to vote for me. I have won 13 times with 60, almost 70 percent of the vote each time, mm, even wow. though for three consecutive elections, they have thrown everything they could against the wall uh, uh, abortion my uh, pro-life stance my stance for the scripture and the biblical standard of what marriage is, yep. uh, my, my stand on parental choice and parental responsibility to raise, rear, and educate their children. Mm. That's been out there for 10 years. They have put it on billboards. They put it on television, on radio, on social media, and people still elected me. Mm. So the, they knew that the only way to beat me was to take me off the ballot. Wow. So a tribunal, a tribunal led by a young woman who's on my opponent's campaign uh-huh. uh, management group. Of course. Led the charge. So you have the opponent that takes me off the ballot in order to win the election. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. It
0: sounds no. like you just got politically lynched.
1: <laughs> and well, you know what? there was a bunch of people who never been to memphis who never met me who made a decision on my political future uh, it, it it i think the definition uh stands pretty true
3: what what what's your plan are you yeah. are you are you going to be running again in some fashion
1: i will be on the ballot in november thanks to my colleagues in the house and it was bipartisan and the governor signed it the the bill basically says that is, an, if an incumbent has qualified, his, his, his community, his neighbors, his constituents have said, we want him on the ballot by signing his, his qualifying petition. That if that incumbent has qualified, which I had, uh, and that he is taken off the ballot by this executive tribunal, then he can run as an independent. They did it as such. They waited until the qualifying deadline was. They could have told me this in January. Right. They could have said in January, we don't like you. We don't like what you vote for. Mm. Uh, We don't want you to be a Democrat. Fine. I could have been I could have been qualified as an independent or as a Republican. Mm. I would have had that choice. But they waited until the qualifying deadline was over. So I had no recourse to run either as a Republican or an independent. The only thing was left was a right in which, you know, is a shot in the dark. Right. Yeah. But right. Uh, thank goodness for uh, my colleagues in the house.
2: So uh, after seeing this go down and seeing how they're playing the game and watching what they're doing to you, the Democratic Party, at least in your local area there, what's how does, how is your, what's your response? To this? Are you just saying, okay, I'm going to continue to do this to stay the ground? Are, but they're telling you, I've been watching other places that are saying pro-life Democrats and you're conservative. It sounds like in a lot of ways, I don't even know why you I, call I, yourself I, a Democrat. I don't yeah. think I've ever said conservative yeah. Democrat in the same sentence before, yeah. but somehow yeah. I did. <laughs> um, but <laughs> That's
1: l- a nasty taste in your mouth, isn't it?
2: <laughs> I'm going to drink some water just to rinse it out. <laughs> um, but it, it doesn't apply. You're almost a unicorn. But how long is your life going to be in this particular party knowing that they're trying to get you out? Well, I am out.
1: Yeah. I am out. And I, uh, when they put me out, the the fact is, uh, you know, the, the so-called progressives, and others have taken over that party the the things it once stood for they don't stand for that anymore mm-hmm. uh so uh, uh the democratic party of my daddy's era doesn't exist at least not in the public fashion wow. so no i am not i'm not a democrat as in in that fashion what i what I believe and what I stand for, I will continue to believe and stand for. And when November uh, comes and I'm on the ballot as an, as an independent, and if the Lord so blesses me that I succeed and win, then when I get back to Nashville uh, in January, things will be different.
2: So you've you've been around to to actually drink from black water fountains sit on the back of the bus go to segregation park time racism. when the
0: blacks are only allowed to go to certain park, right. park days this, that's this right. Fasc- right
2: this is amazing but also you've been around where you've seen guys like jesse jackson be pro-life and and you've been pro-life even before republicans are pro-life but out of all of that what's been some of the most shocking changes that you've seen kind of in the political drama that's laid before you
1: Well, I think the shocking, most shocking changes that I have seen is how callous folks are about life and about the fact that now, you know, at one time it was so many weeks and then so many months, and now you have folks going on camera saying that you can kill a baby that has been born alive at eight and even nine months, and somebody Mm -hmm. said, well, just just lay him there and keep him comfortable till he dies because Oof. the mother still has the right to choose whether that baby lives or dies. That That's un-American. It's unconstitutional. Yeah. It's un-Christian. It's ungodly. It's mm. demonic. Mm. And to see folks run on a national scene, a national scene, and the, the folks who will make the decisions for this country, and they're saying that Uh, uh, they support late term abortion. To me, that is frightening. Mm -hmm. It's frightening to hear people say, you know, there was a time when slavery was the law, when you were told what you had to think, how you had to dress, when to get up, when to go to bed, when to go to work, when not. And now we have people saying, well, if you're you're not a Democrat, then you're not black. Excuse me? (laughs) Uh, I'm not black. I've been black for quite some time and I have the right, have the right to vote as I see fit mm. and I think that one of the things that has compromised a certain demographic is folks taking them for granted because they refuse to listen to the whole story. They listen to one side of the story mm. and make a one-sided decision uh, that most certainly hurts us all. So the, the, what has bothered me most is the lack of decorum, the lack of respect, mutual respect, uh, the the lack of respect for American institutions, for the presidency, for our monuments, for our history. We got people talking about change the Constitution, uh, uh, change the Supreme Court, uh, tear down the Washington Monument, yep. dig up the Jefferson. I mean, we have lost our minds. Uh. And, and uh, it's just is is frightening
3: when you think about it you, sir you're a you're a pastor oh. and you're already kind of preaching on us, but uh you know you, you got people to talk to and they and they 're hungry to hear from you. you walk into the pulpit on a Sunday morning they hear these things that people want to tear down the country uh, people are so calloused about the life of little ones um, unborn and born race you know all this this violence and vandalism and so on um as a as a christian pastor um what's what are you what do you think the people need to hear the most from their pastor given this political landscape
1: I think that we've got to go back to the basic biblical principles first of all love your neighbor uh how are you going to love me and burn down my stuff how are you going to love me and shoot my child how are you going to love me and kill my grandmother uh, don't don't tell me you love me when you can turn a gun to the side, shoot me between my eyes and sit on my body and eat a cheeseburger. Don't tell me you love me. Mm. So this is what we see happening all over the country. Ministers of the gospel need to present the good news that's within the scripture. Jesus was a man. He acted like a man. He said, render the Caesar what Caesar and God what's God. In essence, pay your taxes, follow the law. But Your soul is accountable to your creator, and that is God. Until we put God back in these families, I remember in 1956, Dunn Avenue School stood there in Miss Riley's class, and I remember standing beside my desk and for the first time in a public place, put my hand over my heart and say the Pledge of Allegiance. I can remember it like it was yesterday. And I can remember her pulling her desk drawer open, taking her Bible out, and reading a Bible verse. Mm -hmm. We didn't have all of this mayhem and murder and disrespect uh, back then because people were raised with a biblical standard of ethics, biblical standard of morality. And preachers have got to stop being politicians in the pulpit and go back to preaching the gospel. And if they preach the gospel, the politics will follow. Mm -hmm. And and respect will follow. Love of country will follow. Love of your fellow man will follow. Following the law, which is in the gospel, following the law, keeping the law, not breaking the law, not killing, not stealing, all of that will take care of itself.
0: Didn't Paul Paul said in Galatians chapter three um, that uh, and I want to bring up the text, but he basically connected um, Abraham with the law of God and said that that was the gospel. Yeah, in yeah. Galatians chapter three, and and one of the things that's um, there's been this disconnect between um, the pulpit and discipling their people on how to think about what's going on outside of the church. So we've disconnected, basically we've disconnected the gospel from politics and said, okay, you can learn about Jesus in here, but you can't sh- take Jesus out to the world. You can't say you're a Christian politician. You can't say that you're going to, um, that your faith is going to inform how you vote politically. You can't do that. We've made this huge well, disconnect. Go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. I didn't mean this, this to no, we do that No, no, no. It's you. You we go, it, man. You go. Yeah. But, but here's the deal. They're not, an, they're not anti-religion. They're anti-Christian. Oh. You know, kids can go to college and they can learn about Buddha. They can learn about other exotic preach, preach religions, up. Hinduism, and all this. Stuff. They can learn all of that. They can talk about all of these people in college and in, in high schools. Yep. But you can't talk about Jesus. You can talk about about <laughs> other. Um, you can talk about other religious books yep. and other religious writings, but you can't talk about the Bible. Mm. You talk about uh the great sayings of these people and the wise sayings of those persons but you can't quote uh, uh the apostle paul <laughs> so it's not anti-religious <laughs> it's anti-christian yeah. and we've got the basis for what it is they're trying to take christ out of the country wow
2: preach <laughs> preacher <Prince Peter. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> All right, we talked to you forever. Hey, hey, oh, man. hey Doc, how, what's the best way for us to follow you? Do you have a, a blog that you write at online, Twitter, Facebook? Where are you at? <laughs> I
1: man, you, you're talking to probably the worst dinosaur in the country. <laughs> <God. right? laughs>
2: oh, tell
1: but your my. T- my well, my daughter keeps up uh, a Facebook and, and we're going to start putting more on there and we're just getting the uh, the uh, uh, campaign websites up. But you, you have my, my my phone number and you. My, I like for people to call me. I like for people to write me. But we will have um, a, uh, a, camp- a website up soon that you all you got to do is just put my name in and it'll
0: take you to it you know you know how i got a hold of him is i had to get out of memphis phone book to get his phone number
1: hey
2: but it worked it worked hey doc we're so grateful to have you on the show hope you come back john d Berry, representative of what what district is that 90 90 90 90. thank you so much for coming on if you're single get married if you're married have kids if you have kids Go baptize them until next week, or until Sunday. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. Hey, Doc, you stay right there. Wow.
3: Man, it, we keep going. It, we could, we <laughs> keep, keep going. We really could have. I was about ready to give my offering. <laughs> where my offering go?
1: Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it?
2: Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea
1: that Samaritan has adopted from the Book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing we as a body of believers are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church.
0: Do you believe
3: that you need an insurance company or do you believe that God will provide your needs? And there are people that you've never met before who are going to pray for you and meet your needs. There's another way.
1: Looking for a new direction for your health care? Visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org.